Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 39. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who've known each other forever, who catch up most days of the week in the Melbourne CBD to talk about everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant, and with me is Scotty. Hello, everyone. Great, well, I wouldn't say great win last night, but seven out of nine. It's a win. I'm relatively happy. Uh, we'll talk about the game in, in different areas. We're going to just do a, a brief overview now. We'll have a, a bit of a segment on just a bl- player's kind of breakdown. Yep. And we just might throw in a few sort of questions about Francis. And there's a lot, yeah, of, I think, I think lot of talk about him. So Yeah, I think you're playing that down a bit. We're going we're gonna to try and sort of, I don't know, We give everybody's got their opinion on the man and there's left and there's right, there's yes, there's no, there's this reason, that reason. We're going to see if we can cover the majority of those reasons and see... Um, Sort of, you've got a clip to play for us, Scotty, which I think will be interesting, and a, a bit of a decent chat about Aaron Francis. So, to start off, Fremantle, Eddie had, it was a game we should have won, and we did. Yeah, it's, look, it wasn't the most spectacular game to watch. We, they no. seem to be similar to the, the Lions and the, uh, and the Gold Coast game. We are winning now the games that we should be winning. That's, yeah. that's probably the key development uh, in this little nine-week stretch. That I guess most people should be happy about because we would probably lose one or two out of three. Yep. So look, when you have a look at the total amount of scoring shots, we actually have pretty much obliterated them in every yeah, stat. It's we, exactly right. it's sixty-two to thirty-six inside fifties. So it's it's one of those ones where we just probably weren't polished going forward. Just weren't choosing the right option in the first half. Uh, just and then we didn't kicking. have the tall yeah. target in the second half. So yeah, um, it was actually a fair effort with McKernan going down. We restructured quite well after half time. Uh, I, I seem to do the magical tweet at half time. I tweeted it might be worth putting Hooker down and and putting Langford in the middle and <laughs> straight away. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for coming, Scotty. I know, I know. Wush has got the straight um, on the line. Yeah, he's got his, he's got the scooter uh, Twitter feed live in the coach's <laughs> box. So, but. The hooker gave us structure, and that was just more really what was all about, uh, because they obviously have to then focus on him because he can mark well and and did and did uh, kicked, kicked real bad, <laughs> kicked real bad. All that yeah. work that he did at the start of the season in the preseason about kicking at goals because he was going to go play forward, he's completely forgotten about that now that he's gone down back again. Well, I mean, the whole side didn't really kick for goal that great. True, that is very true. But look, I. Like I said against the Suns game when we won by 43, 29 points, I'm going to take it. I, yeah. We need the four points. I I think we're too far out of reach to genuinely catch the percentage of the teams yep. above us. Uh, it, it's such a big gap. I, I'm more worried about just winning. Uh, every time we put four points on, like we're now at least tied for the team that's eighth on 36. So... At least we can say, you know, we've won the same amount of games as as a finals team at the moment. Yep. Uh, as we speak, I'll say that. Uh, so the that's the that's the positives for me. Uh, it's a little bit of glass half full, glass half empty kind of look at the game. It's, it's yeah. It, the the critical part, and we'll talk about this later on. Really, for me, was Zach Merritt his last quarter. Yeah. He he. Um, he just took over the whole game. Uh, and Zach, Zach, for me, I mean, 
I 100% agree in that, that quarter. I think everybody's disposal efficiency was down by Benny McNeese and probably Brendan Goddard. But, I mean, everybody's disposal efficiency was down. And even Zach, I don't know that would be happy with 53%, right? But um, that last quarter, he did what A-graders do. Yeah. He stood up. When it was required, he's he's up to 28 touches. Um, when you when you look at the A-graders, and I've, we've said it on this podcast a number of times, Essendon now has a genuine 100% A-grader in Zach Merritt. Well, they, and, yeah. and with the likes of Dyson getting 26, and David Zaharakis straight back into the side, 26 as well. Then you've got your, your usual suspects after that, Devin Smith and... Um, and the rest of those guys, and, and David Myers with 18 and stuff. So we're consistently getting those midfielders up high, up near the 30s, in the 28s and stuff. And if that game wasn't that super fugly, um, Zach would have got 35, Zarakis would have got 32, and Heppel would have got 30. But I just those, those three guys are really, and Devin for that matter, is really doing the job for us at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Look, the... The key part for the, even the whole year has been how the midfield is developing into yeah. a, into a strong core. Uh, and a little bit to my surprise, I thought that was our real weakness. Uh, but they are teaming up quite well now. Uh, they're quite reliable with at least sort of getting close to equalising in clearances or, or winning. They obviously smashed Fremantle in the stats and clearances this week. But they're, they're starting to get a good group about them. I thought the first half they weren't running defensively very well at all. I thought we were opened up way too much. Yeah. And I'm sure that was addressed at half time. But Zach Merritt and, and Happel and that just put just obviously got very serious about the game. Yeah. Uh, and and when it really needed a, a foot down, you know, the leader stood up. Um, and even Hooker going down to the forward line, I know he missed a lot of his shots, but just the fact suddenly there was a, a person taking contested mark after contested mark. Yeah. Uh, so, look, the leaders, I thought, were, were quite good. I mean, Fantasia's, Fantasia's in the leadership group, and, and, and he, for mine, was clearly the best on the ground. Yep. There's, uh, three, there's three Brownlow votes there. Easy. Yeah, so... Um, Dave Myers was... Every time I saw Dave Myers, he was trying. Um, 18 possessions. This is, um, okay. I mean, David's never going to be 35-possession footballer. He never has been. Um, Darcy Parrish is an interesting one for me. Um, first quarter was all over the shop. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought about that today. and It's, it's his biggest criticism of Das, and I, I still can't work out why it's happening in coming into his third year, but he goes 34 minutes without getting a possession, and I'm just not sure what's happening in um, with those periods because I'm sure when I saw the stats, I was looking halfway through the second quarter just seeing who was doing what. I remember seeing Darcy right at near right near the top with, you know, 13 possessions or so. But he's ended the game with like 18 possessions. So in the next two and a half quarters, he's had four or five can possessions. I, so it's a, just, just strange. Can I suggest something to you, right? We've got Zach at 28, Zarakis at 26, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me, live radio. Um... Dyson at 26, Devon 23, Goddard. And so of the mids, Devon, Heppel, Zarakis, and Merritt again, right? Now, Zarakis has slipped in. Thanks very much for coming. But how many players, how many midfielders can get 20-plus possessions in a game? Like, if, yeah. if, Dyson's get, if Dyson's getting 26 and Zarakis is getting 26 and Heppel and Merritt's getting 28, can, can Parrish get 25? Like, how many... 20 possession midfielders I think, can you I think, have? I think with Parrish, it's more that he does things in chunks. 
It's just like what. But, but those what, chunks is is it because Zarakis and Merritt are really good players and Heppel's are really good players, and they're getting all the possessions. Like Parish, how is he supposed to compete with Zarakis? Uh, it's and how is he supposed to compete with those midfielders? There's only so many possessions that you can get on a field. Yeah, but what I mean by chunks is like why in 34 minutes do you get 80% of your possessions and then the next 40 minutes you get you're almost non-existent. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean that's more what I mean. Yeah. When you're more you would rather it sort of even out yeah, a bit get more. Eight possessions eight because possessions, it's clearly not a play that would be tagged. Yeah. So it was just more like I don't know if they changed him. I, I, I want to watch the game on that one just to see if they changed his role yeah. a bit and moved him out of the mid. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it again because they may have with um, McKernan down. I know they made a whole lot of switching around. Yeah. So look, I'll, I'll, I must admit, I'll, I'll watch it again. I mean, he was fantastic the first quarter. Wouldn't you so. love to have um, um, one of the coaching staff sitting here listening to like with us in, yeah. in the studio to go? So halves. What what was the story with Parrish? Why 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 didn't he get it? And for yeah. them to be able to say, oh yeah, no, no, we moved him to a wing, we moved him to a half forward flank. Here's probably why he didn't get as many possessions. That that'd be incredible. Um, who else did I wanted to have a chat about? Kyle Langford. Uh it was one of his quieter games. Yeah, yeah, but he really he got moved out of the middle fairly quick when as soon as McKernan went down. So they tried to sort of the next thirty four minutes they tried to make him a forward. And we weren't really kicking it smart to him. So it got him out of the game a bit. Um, he still ended up with 16 saying that um, and nine contested. So it's not like he's played a, bad, uh, a horrific game. It's just, it was just more uh, a needs basis game. Like Wusha needed him yeah. as a forward presence. And once that kind of wasn't overly working, he realized he needed a, probably a really bigger body like Hooker. That, that, that structure came yeah. much better. And Langford in the, in the, the last quarter had a bit more presence back in the midfield. So yeah. I thought Bell Chambers... Dominant in the run. Yeah. Was, As he should be. That yeah. The kid he played on had been, played three games of footy or something stupid. But it was good because with McKernan going down, there wasn't really a relief ruckman. Yeah. So he did work tirelessly pretty much the whole game. And, and that's why, like, if you talked about changes next week and people are already talking about um, certain players that could come in for McKernan really... To me, the only option you can do is Stewart because Stewart, be- Stewart before McKernan was the backup ruck forward. Yeah. Uh, and you need that backup ruck option to replace McKernan because cause Bell Chambers needs it. He needs that 10, 15 minutes break sometimes. And Stewart can play that role not too bad. So I, I just can't conceive of any other player that, that could come in for McKernan. Well, you know the yeah. player everybody wants to come in. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But that's that for me. That does that's not the fit. No, because no, of course not. No, no. It's 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 a twofold. It's Wush a, it's said, a forward and a ruck. Yeah, replacement. Wush yeah. has said that. I mean, Wush has said there's no. I mean, he's he's been playing down back his entire time in the VFL, and Wush has said he'll play back. Yeah, if he go. comes Francis in. Francis yeah. is is yeah. got Brittany Goddard slash Hurley slash Roll. So until one of those guys is gone, Hurley's not playing anyway. So, and then it comes down to I tell you what, I put it on the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast Facebook page. Um, that Orazio Fantasia, and I'd love for people to, to message me and let me know if I've, if I've got this wrong. Um, Orazio Fantasia is now the best small forward in the AFL. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to think of... Is he is he our most important player now? I man, Hugely. I reckon he's our most... Well, sorry, Zach Merritt. Zach Merritt's our most important yeah, yeah. player. Like, that guy... 
if we don't get his touches around the ball and his tackling and his pressure and he's stuff, like the engine for us he's the engine but yeah. Orazio is the in in the absence of Jakey Stringer Orazio is our cream our four liters of cream because the bloke is he's super fast he's he looks like a team player. He runs in both directions, and he's got the ability to put, to drop five on you. He when when he's not in the side, we do look like we're missing class in that forward line. Small, yeah, small forward class. And I guess, um, I mean, when Josh Green comes in, I love Joshy, the little sort of um, redheaded unit that he is. But it's just nowhere near as classy as Orazio. So yep. for him to to do what we needed a player like him to do on the weekend when we lost McKernan, who was looking good, by the way. He was yep. he was taking he was jumping in the air, some big grabs were happening. Yep. And then when that went down, we he got a presenting um, option. We had a, a small and even all the commentators were saying things along the lines of Orazio's not a forward. I know Duck Carey was saying um, he's not a forward um, it's unusual, but he was leading like one. Yeah, he got an in, he's incredibly quick, and he was leading. And to drop five is very, very important for the club. I thought I'd do a bit of a, a Twitter interaction here, so I um I put out a message to fans, uh, and I basically said, "What non-obvious aspect of the win did you notice in the Frio game?" How about we go? How about we go to a break and yep. we'll come back. All right, um, we'll do that break thing. We'll come back and uh, and check that part out. Okay, cool. Welcome back to the smooth, smooth sounds of Joy Division there on the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, Scotty, um, you said that you've, uh, you've got something going on on Twitter there. Yeah, so we uh, put out a tweet earlier, or well, I did anyway, uh, and I pretty much was wanting to see what the fans were thinking today. So I just put, um, what non-obvious aspect of our win did you notice in the Frio game, or even Essendon season so far? Uh, I won't do the whole Twitter name, but I'll just read out some of the obvious ones. Uh, Clinton on Twitter put in consistency over the last nine weeks has been so good. Something we haven't been able to say about Essendon team for a long time. I really like that comment. Uh, I've got Adam Chester. He's got to look, if we can replace five or so or that 22 with young boys, either injured or in the VFL, then we could win a flag. Slowness and poor decisions coming out of the back half of gold for opposition to the score. Mm-hmm. Every time Sar gets the ball, something good happens. Yep. I totally agree on that. Andrew Nichols, kick straight, and we would have flogged them. In well, that. I think that's, that's an interesting one, in that you're right, is that we missed some really easy ones that we yeah, would normally kick. We, we, and that on the been, field, we won by 10 goals. Yeah, it could yeah. have been 50-point win. He just said, inaccuracy happens sometimes too much. I'm just happy to win two, and five goals ain't a bad win. So uh, what other ones have we got here? I'm just going through the whole Twitter feed. This is live, yeah? people. Scotty's <laughs> flicking through the Twitter feed as we speak. Andrew makes a good point. Mitch Brown has more than list depth, works hard and genuine knack shooting for goal. I think, I reckon if you looked back at Mitch Brown's season, there is a, a point at which he's flicked a switch. I think they've either had a chat with him and said, righto, Mitch, we're going to make you our centre-half forward. You're going to do kind of what Joey D does, yeah. and that is run everywhere. All over the shop, taking marks all around that half forward line because he's been massive, yep. hugely. I think because he's, like you said, he even used the the, the go on Twitter. They used the word um, list depth, 
And I think he's much more than that now. I think he's 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 kicking those two goals he kicked last night too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, really important goals too. Really important goals from really difficult angles. Mate, I tell you what, Mitch is, Mitch is well and truly stepped up. He won't be dropped anytime soon, I don't think, personally, man. I, I, I think it's got to do with his moustache myself. Um, yeah. By the way, Mitch, um, the check, mate, we're, we're still chasing that check for the sponsorship. Sorry, right, mate. We still love you, but if you can send that through, that'd be great. Look, just a few more. Carly Bomber, uh, one of our most loyal fans. Always. Carly. So, hi, Carly, uh, hey, Carly. And thanks for your support. How, how we have come so far since the start of the season when things w- weren't so great earlier in the year until round eight. Even though the season was done and dusted, but it's still live today. I believe the message you you did after round eight was sent to the club. That's what I think. Oh, my... my uh, yes, my... Oh, my yeah, my your, happy message. Your almost depressed darkened room <laughs> podcast episode. I don't think the club listened to it, but I I appreciate. Don't your... don't sell yourself <laughs> short. I think they might have just. Can you imagine it being played at the like board of directors meeting or something like that? This is one of our most fervent supporters. The guy seems like he's going to jump off the Westgate Bridge. And last time, uh, Chambo for Arazio, our most important player in a game where teams crowd their halfback line and swarm back, having a player across the forward line. Of center can break games open. Yep, I can't really disagree Mate, too much uh, of that. There'll be a lot of clubs, I reckon, this year looking for an Orazio Fantasia type who can run from outside fifty into fifty and kick goals, as well as the bookend of that with Mister Saad and or um, uh, Mister McKenna yep. doing exactly the same from inside defensive fifty through the, um, the through the the fifty meter line and into the center. It's yep. both hugely pants. So thank, thanks everybody um, for um, getting back to Scotty on Twitter. It's um, it's really good to hear directly from the fans. Yeah. So look, we went over obviously some names. So we're not going to go through too too many. But I thought maybe we just do some highlights. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about my uh, my good brother Ben uh, McNeese. Benny McNeese. So, so I must not, admit, not not actually his brother. Yep. <laughs> I must admit, it's probably been a frustrating year because I actually, pre-season, and I've talked about it a lot, I actually really rate Benny McNeese. And even I acknowledge he probably hasn't performed to the level that I know he can play. And that was the first game I thought I saw the Ben McNeese I've been seeing in pre-season and and in quite a few VFL games. Uh, And his use of the ball um, was fantastic in that first half. He hit some laser passes. He has passes. got a laser left boot on Yeah. Him. I mean, 95.2 efficiency will get you another game. Absolutely. Normally. Out of the back line and all. Like yeah. Nine, so, that kind of efficiency is worth its weight in gold in the back line. So with McKenna out, they obviously had to change his role to be more attacking. And I'm so glad um, he had kind of a McKenna kind of game, to yeah. be honest. Um, there so, was absolutely no... like, And one of the, the real tests for me, I think, in a, in a player like Benny... Any player, but Benny in this particular case, is that you've got an established player in Connor now, and you know what you're going to get, and you want that run from Connor. Mm. When to see Benny come in and be given a brief to do what he was supposed to do, and he did it, yep. you didn't even notice that Connor wasn't there. It yep. was he just slid into the back line and did perfectly. I want to talk about another player that every time I see his stats, I feel like he's played three times better than his stats, and that's Matt Guelphy. Now, again, Iceman. he came second leading the side in one percenters. And this is the part of the game that I think Matt Guelphie adds so much value 
than more than stats. You're not going to see it in a dispose or anything like that. But he probably three times in this game backed into packs or went head on into packs. Um, just real courageous stuff and, and either intercepted the ball, punched the ball when he had no right to in some ways. I thought he was well out of the contest. Yep. Um, so his efforts were just spectacular, I thought. And I know he's only picked up 12 possessions, but it just he just feels like he's a bigger player than that. Like there's, I agree. I still judge you know, what presence did they have in the game, and I felt like he had a really big presence. And I mean, it's probably a similar to a Walla sometimes when you feel like, like last night he had seven tackles, really high pressure, and you feel like if you read his stats, it, it's kind of a little bit uh, of a non-truth. Yep. Uh, he's, he's obviously had a bigger impact actually on the game. Uh, so I just wanted to just give a bit of a shout-out to Guelphy. Uh, and I, I 100% agree with what you're saying, and I reckon for the old back-pocket player that Wusha was, mm. he's obviously a, an AFL coach now, and he has to think both ends of the floor, and be, both ends of the floor, both ends of the ground, and he would be looking for forwards and all sorts of stuff, but I reckon the back the, the back line player in Wusha would love Guelphy. Yeah. The one percenters and those yeah. punches and stuff that they don't make highlight reels uh, anywhere. Mark Harvey would love that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, hugely. When he goes back in defense, because yeah. um, he was playing a little bit in defense and saving and trying to cut off some stuff, he did some really big brave acts. And I reckon Mark Harvey just already slots him another game Easy. just by seeing those things. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? Speaking of one percenters, this guy has led in one percenters by 30% more than any other Essendon player. And that's Adam Saad. His one-on-one work was really elite last yeah. night. Um, some of his... When the ball's going along the ground and it's a it's a, a, a very equal contest going towards the ball, his out-body positioning was really elite. Like, yeah. he's, he's not just a, a run-and-bounce player. He's... Nah. He's, think, he's uh, he gets to contests when you don't think he can. His closing speed is elite. Um, I just thought he had a, a quite a solid game. Absolutely. I mean, I think Adam said when Collingwood put him in the square against that Stevenson kid and Dugowie and that sort of stuff. I mean, that's not his game. One on one, shoulder to shoulder kind of defense. But when the ball's moving around and it's it's in play and he's got to stick with his guy running towards the ball. He's only a little fella, but I'll yeah. tell you what, he positions his body really well, gets that little tap out to an open part, and he, he halves or wins the contest often. Mm. Um, he's, yeah, absolutely. He's, I reckon he's, I wonder, I haven't spent much time looking at him when he was at the Gold Coast, but I reckon he's growing as a player at Essendon. I, I would hope to Yeah, think I think he's matured a lot. Yeah, from he's Gold maturing. Coast. I yeah. think he's learning different skills and he's he's. He's got he's skills. Tougher. He's tougher. Yeah, now. he looks to me much yeah. more tough. Now, I've got two players I want to make comment on. Yep. One, B. Goddard. Now, again, 78% accurate. No, that's Devin Smith. Um, 91. 91% accuracy in the back line. Again. 23 touches. Again. Now then, everybody right now is screaming down the line at Grant going, you got run down from behind. Yes, he did. Right? Yes. Yes, he did. A couple of times, I think. Two or three times. Two or three right. times, right? You go down there from behind. Fine. Those those things happen. I mean, people get run down a lot. I got saw Waller get run down. That sort of stuff happens, right? They're trying to make good decisions with where they kick the ball out from the back line. And that's one of the reasons why he's sitting at 91% accuracy. Because he doesn't just get the ball and bang it on a boot out of the, um, out of the back line just so it's not in his back line. Brendan Goddard, the old man of the of the of the club 
who's basically, which I loved, basically told the rest of the kids in that club, bugger it, knock me off my, my perch. If you think you're better than me, knock me off my perch in the AFL. But another game. He is always, and I reckon if you look back on the stats, the stats for the last six to eight weeks will be Zach Merritt, Dyson Heppel, Devin Smith. Zarakas hasn't been there for a minute, but Brendan Goddard is always in that next group of possession getters across halfback. And I think he's really, really consistent for the club. And I 100% back exactly what he said. Man, 23 possessions at 91% accuracy is not the kind of stats of a bloke that should be retiring. I think that's he's done incredibly well. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. I knew it. <laughs> that was the first time I had... I'll say a poofteenth. <laughs> That's tiny. A poofteenth. Okay. Of a concern. Um, in what? In his pace and lack of awareness. Okay. So I will concede on behalf of Brendan, as little as I know of the man. I reckon I can concede, not even knowing the bloke, that he knows he's slow. He knows he's slowed down. He's old as dirt, right? But he's slowed down, and that's fine. But dude, 91% accuracy at 23 uh, at twenty three touches, it's undeniable. I know, but it, it, I, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate, all right? Yeah, Because cool. you know I, I right, got out through the roof. Absolutely, right? So he cost us two goals, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, fine. No, again, you can't. That, yeah. So the 91% is, 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 is kind of like a, a kicking and handball efficiency, and then there's, then there's just a bit of a stuff up. Right in front of goals. Two of them. Two yes, of them. That's fine. And, but he's too consistent over a year for me to worry about that in one game. That's what I will say. I like you, Scotty. Yeah. What I will say about Brendan Goddard is I thought his first half wasn't the Brendan Goddard I know, but his last quarter and go and watch it again. No one's first half was. Yeah. He was huge in the last quarter. He did nothing wrong. He took some telling marks. Kept rebounding it into our inside 50s. Yep. Uh, and it was more, okay, you know. Was it actually a little bit like Matty D? Matty D had the worst oh. first half you've, I've ever seen. Scotty and I were talking about, I forget what the context was, we were talking about during the week about Matty D's consistency. I know. We were just talking Out about... Out of nowhere. And the bloke just, he does nothing wrong. He He just consistently is a good footballer for the club. Like, he does anything, doesn't yeah. do anything wrong. I think we're talking about it in the context of, of Francis again. And who, because yeah. on that clip you're going to show us in a minute, like, Wusha says, who, nobody ever tells me who we should drop for Francis, right? And people go, well, uh, Maddie, if it came down to you or Aaron Francis, ooh, Maddie, I reckon you'd be a bit harsh. But then we look at each other going, but how do you drop Matt D? He's doing absolutely nothing wrong. Every time he touches mm. the ball, he makes good decisions. Last night, in his first half. <laughs> Ooh, lordy. Uh, speaking of two or three goals kicked again. Ooh, uh, lordy. But again, his last 40 minutes was Matty D that we know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I have this... It's not a theory, but I think sometimes we overanalyze a player on one game. Yeah. Because every player... I've seen Zaka this year have a terrible game. I've seen Zach Merritt have a terrible game. I've seen Heppel have a terrible Waller game. Has had I've bad seen Goddard have a terrible game. Yeah. I, I mean, I could go through the, the, and we sometimes encapsulate a player 
on a performance and go, oh, he's got to be dropped because you just can't put up with that. Well, he actually can because the last 11 games he starts. That's exactly right, man. And football, and he's human. Yeah, football, he's a human being. Football, I mean, we would have dropped Hurley, you know, oh, in that first after half, round five. We would yeah. have dropped the whole club for the yeah. first sort of five or six games yeah. of this year. Right? We would have dropped the whole club. This, Scotty... For me, you drop a guy from three or four performances in a row. Okay, now that slides me perfectly into <laughs> the second that. person I want to talk about. Oh, no. I already know who you're going to say, and we haven't even spoken about this. <sighs> you're going to say uh, TC? T. Collier. Oh, yeah. T. Collier. Now, I'm a massive Trav Collier fan. He's a little tiny midget. Um, with the, He's got the beard. He's the muscliest dude I've ever seen in my life. And I love the fact that he's a veteran. I love his speed. I love his quickness. On his day, he can be a very good footballer. But, and this is where, like you said, I'll defend Brendan Goddard getting run down twice because of the fact that he's putting up 23s and 25s at 90% accuracy. Trav, old old sock, you got nine. Nine at 55, right? Now, I'd love to check last week's That's game. 55 efficiency. 55 yeah. efficiency, right? I'd love to check last week's game as well. And he's just... He's he had nine last week too. Nine last week, right? So, oh man. You look at... Um, uh, Shawnee McKernan. Shawnee McKernan got well, six got disposals. Injured. He got injured. That's what I'm saying. He got, he, got, he got injured for the majority of the game. Got six disposals. <laughs> Trav Collier got nine disposals and played whatever percentage of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trav Collier is a guy that I'm not sure... Well, I am sure about the fact that needs to go back to the twos to get some form. Look, Trav Collier, to me, is my... I'm not going to say frustration, but is where I question sometimes the messaging from the club. And look, it, I, I was going to bring it up, but we'll go into it later on with Aaron Francis yep. because we've just got to have a talk about the messaging on Aaron Francis and... And the inconsistency, maybe I see when it comes to uh, other maybe. players. Yeah, not maybe. I think stick to it because I mean we we had a chat before the podcast, and I think you're right. I think there's some inconsistencies. Um, but yeah, Trav Collier. I think this is the point. If we're being fair, we've got to look at it and go, okay, Trav, nine possessions coming back in, or whatever he got that low possession in his first game back in the side. Fine, he's working his way in. Fine, um, he's coming back off an injury, but two, three, coming on four games in a row now. Mm, Trav, well, mate. Well, my, I'll talk about it later, but my point was he wasn't starring in the VFL to be elevated. Yeah. So, and he's not starring in the seniors. So. All right. Well, let's um, let's take it, a break. Yeah. If we're talking about earning games, let's yeah, let's get onto this next subject, right? Because Scotty's got it. Uh, he's got one loaded there. Let's get um, let's have a quick break and we'll come back on the other side and have a chat. Okay. Welcome back to the Lunch Time Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, Scotty, um, this next segment, we want to sort of talk about where we are as a club during the season. Um, where do we sit on the ladder? And then you've got a, uh, an interesting little audio clip from Wusha that you want to talk about. Yeah, I kind of call this segment, where do you sit fans? Are you the glass half full or glass half yeah, empty? Yeah, good call. Uh, and there's been a, an interesting debate that we all see on Facebook and Twitter and everything like that. It's, it's how you've kind of viewed the year so far. And, and, and there seems to be two different camps. 
there's the camp that says, hey, you know, in all honesty, we're 11th. I thought we were better than that. Um, so the year has been somewhat uh, a, a failure or I guess a waste yep. because we haven't impacted the finals. And still, I think it's kind of likely not, but let's hope. Uh, but then there's the other the other side, which uh, is talking seeing Essendon the last nine weeks and seeing things it hasn't done for many, many years and yep. win four interstate games in a row, win all the easy games. Um, that we should be winning and show the consistency. Yeah. Um, you know, and having those big wins, though, Eagles interstate, Gito West interstate, uh, you got Geelong wins, you got North Melbourne wins. So big, big teams above us. Yeah, absolutely. So I and must admit, I, I, I've i leaned over towards the, the camp on looking at the last nine weeks because the whole thing we were preaching when we were six losses and two wins was we were a club that didn't have an identity. Um, we're a historical club in the last 15 years that was inconsistent, uh, could not beat the teams uh that were below us or could not put in any good efforts at all, could not travel interstate, we were not really a professional side. Look, and considering in this nine-week stretch that Joe Danaher hasn't played one game, yeah. Saharak has only probably played 20% of the games, Parrish has only played 20% of the games, Gleason hasn't played any game time, uh, Myers has been in and out of the side injured, uh, Fantasia's probably missed four, four of those games. So we have relied a lot on VFL players, and that's why we have played 38 different players this year. And it's the reason why maybe the VFL lost again to Collingwood. But Yeah, but what it is telling me is that a system is getting better because it tells me that the VFL senior players, if that makes sense, the senior list of players that are playing in the VFL and, and our current top 22 playing in seniors are all buying into a message, and that's the most important thing to any football club. So to win seven of of nine uh, and break a lot of traditional hoodoos, yep. uh, I see that as a very positive thing because, to be honest, I never felt we were in a grand final window this year. And I truly believe the club thinks we probably are in two or three years' time, and that's really what they're building towards. So I would obviously... the small little things I would like in and out, but... Overall, I've got to be quite happy with how the year is going. Um, so you're on the half full bandwagon. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see, mate? I I 100 agree. I it's it, this is a little it's a little less cut and dried for me in this one. In that, I I thought that at the start of the season it was hugely disappointing for us. Oh, you the way we played. Oh, right? yes. Like that was massively disappointing for us, and something that I just honestly goodness did not see coming. And I don't know that the club did either. So it, it was disappointing, in my opinion, that we'd planned so much. The coaching staff had, had planned. The players had planned. And we start off the season so poorly. And that that was a huge disappointment for me. However, the way that we've turned this around, and again, I don't, I don't want to put it down to just Mark Neal exiting, but the way the club professionally has looked at... Um, the things that were wrong at the club. And again, you and I come from sort of the business world where you look at sort of problems in the business world and you have to be analytical about it. Yeah. You've got to figure out the reasons for it and you've got to try and implement something that's going to fix it. 
And the club professionally has done exactly that. And I'm absolutely pleased with the way that we have gone from that bad point. <clears throat> it's It was a big sort of negative for me, the start of the season, and it's really disappointing the way it went. But um, for me, I've just ticked over into half full because... Yeah. If we had been playing like this first part of the first part of the season, and that's some good live audio there, Scotty, well done. Um, <laughs> we, we, we need a sound engineer, but um, it, I reckon it's it's hugely important that after whatever the hell we changed changed, yep. the players bought into it, and the club has turned itself around. So yep. I'm on the half full bandwagon as well. Like you said, Gleeson, um, Danaher, and um, Stringer, and these guys, they're going to come back, and we're going to be a hell of a lot better off. Yeah, I agree. So I reckon half full, and I think everybody out there too, the supporters. I'm sincerely hoping are seeing that as part of the um, as part of the way we're moving as well, and that we're absolutely going to address some of the bigger issues that the clubs had, i.e., consistency. Yeah. We've got the players now, and if we can get one or two more to come in, that'll be great, and we can start to really start making inroads into the eight. Yeah, I agree. So let's. Uh have a quick chat about Aaron Francis. We've kind of been a little bit resisting it lately because it's it does get... Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, everyone's got an opinion, but we might as well talk, tell you our thoughts. And and obviously, I had dinner with Aaron on Wednesday. So, yeah. Uh, now, that, that wasn't exactly... He didn't exactly invite you over to his house. <laughs> no. Scotty, come on over for, for beers, mate. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> no what it's was a, it? It's a, it's a... Obviously, uh, me and quite a number of other people in my Facebook group sponsor Aaron Francis and yep. Michael Hartley. Uh, so once a year, there's a, a trivia kind of dinner night. Yep. Um, and this one was at the MCG. And uh, obviously Aaron and uh, we were lucky, Joe Danhar as well, and Michael Hartley all sat at our table and just all talking around in a in a group of eight, just just having chats about footy and life. And yep. um, look, I'm not going to share everything. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's a bit like when you meet the Queen. You can't uh, no. you can't discuss the things that you spoke about. No, because it, I don't want to be some sort of tattletale or, 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 or you know, the person who just, as soon as I hear something, runs to the public yeah. and no, says, no, no. I found it out this. off the record. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a friend-to-friend conversation and, and respectful one, so you want to respect it back. But look, I, I was interested to hear uh, Wusher's comments after the game, and they discussed... Aaron Francis. I think it's really important. This is a little clip that Scotty's grabbed from uh, about Wush, uh, f- about from Wusher after the game, which I think really illustrates um, a good point when it comes to, to Aaron. So let's go to that clip now. Okay. Do you ever feel apprehensive by Francis? Other supporters yeah, keep talking about him. Yeah, yeah, no, they're all keen to play Francis, so they won't necessarily nominate someone to leave out, but. Uh, Aaron's going to be a very good player for Essendon for a long time and we've got to really manage his introduction into uh, into us as a club carefully and uh, that's what we're working hard at. Um, you know, his footy's been pretty solid but there's still areas of his game we want him to keep working on and uh, that's the same with several players that, that are in the VFL at the moment. Um, just keep working hard exactly what James Stewart's been doing he's out of the team to work on aspects of his game and they're all equal doesn't matter which draft number they were they um, they need to earn their spot in the team interesting comments from Wusher on that one yeah it's uh, it's an, it is interesting uh, I probably have to break that down a little bit uh, 
it was interesting his comment that you know the fans don't really tell him about who you know who they'd like to replace. I kind of see the opposite on Twitter. I see plenty of suggestions on who they'd like to replace. Yeah, now, now Scotty, I think that let's, Scotty's got a big point on this one. So yeah, good old Grandhouse is going to be a bit quiet, I reckon, because Scotty's got some positives and he's got some negatives on this process, right? So let's get Scotty. Just, I mean, not that anybody needs it, but I know you've you've been watching Aaron really closely in the VFL. You've been seeing the name in the in the top. Uh, votes every week so give us the argument for the argument for Aaron Francis is that he's an elite talent uh, I was ignoring his pick but he was obviously pick six but even outside of that when you go watch him live he is an elite talent uh, he can play anywhere on the ground that's my personal view and, and I was noticed noticed on the um, the Collingwood game that in the, in the first quarter, he was playing back, played well, then had some time up forward, kicked a goal, then played in a bit in the mid and got some clearances. So that's the Aaron Francis evolution that I see is him being a very, very competent um, footballer that can really add value to a side. Uh, and especially when you had a game like yesterday, uh, it just hit me again when Smack went down. You go well. There's the player right there. You'd almost quickly rotate from half back, who can definitely play both ends. Yeah, and play very well. Uh, fairly good kick for goal. There's your strength. He's been consistent now for nine or ten weeks. I think he's only played two or three really quiet games. Out of that, the other six, he's probably been in the top three or four consistently. Uh, so it's he's the fact that they played him in three different areas yesterday, and including the midfield. It does tell you a little bit where his fitness is at. Mm. Uh, and he told me that he felt that his fitness was at a fairly... Was at a good point? Yep. Always can improve, because we talked about midfield time. Um, he said, you know, obviously that still needs another preseason or so to get an actual... That kind of running engine yep. uh, that a midfielder needs. But was quite, quite... But was pretty happy with how his body was. All right, so on that positive front... What are three things that Aaron can bring to the club? Well, he's elite intercept marker. Yep. There's your that's you when you see him play. Um, that's one thing you you quickly notice if you if you had Gleason last year, he was kind of that key intercept mark. I think Aaron plays that just as well. His physical strength around the ball. He's one of the few Western players that actually could do a don't argue with a ball a under the arm. Yeah. He's a large unit. He, he's deceptively quick, and I've, I never really, never felt like people appreciate that. Over fifteen meters, he is very, very fast. Yeah, explosive is the. He's word very I explosive. Use. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's a he's very, very hard to tackle. He is a he has got a bit of a Dustin Martin about him. Once his mindset is that he's going to run around a guy. He'll he'll throw out the right arm and he'll give you the choke hold. Yeah. See you later yeah. and uh, and continue running on. Um, what's his third best strength? Uh, look, he's probably just a he's I, I, an impact player. He can play like a big that's play. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. X factor. Yeah, he's got the X factor for me. I reckon he's he, at both ends of the ground. He brings a genuine both ends of the ground talent yeah. who can be as influential as a Michael Hurley on the back line, but could also take mark of the year in the forward line yeah. and could consistently give you two to three goals a game. Yeah. So understanding Wush's comments, 
I'm happy to actually accept most of those comments, to be honest. Uh, and that's not me sounding like... That sounded pretty arrogant, and I'm not trying to sound like that. <laughs> I accept that because he understands much more than any of us. So when he says he's teaching him different aspects of the game that he might be weak on, yep. I actually can see those weaknesses. I, I'm not a Francis blinded by, oh, this kid's a star now. He's not. He has got some clear weaknesses. Are we, are we going to be happy enough to sort of illustrate them? Uh, I don't mean I don't yeah. mean weaknesses. We're not going to put the kid yeah. down. But what 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 areas do we think he needs to to work, continue to work on? Probably two things in my mind that I see when I watch him closely. One, he has a tend to ball watch. Sometimes you can just have these moments where <laughs> for thirty seconds he's actually a little bit lost. Yeah, like he's just thinking about something else, and the game's going on, and then he goes, "Oh, you know, I should have been yeah, over well, actually, there." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a small thing. Uh, and two, just, I, I feel like, um, and I don't know if it's a fitness thing yet, or, yeah, it's a hard one to determine. He can get into contests more. Like, he sometimes, I don't feel like, has can run into, doesn't run into contests as much as I would like him. To, like, backing up for multiple contests? Yeah, or? just and just small things sometimes, shepherding, and, and just, like, those small things um, where I feel like he should be running better to either help out a teammate or impact a contest. Sometimes he he he's, he can be a little bit standoffish. It's funny, it's just when the ball comes to him, like he's a completely different player. Yeah, he's, like, he just wants the it, ball when he's got hands. no when he's got no choice. Yeah. It's like so explosive and so good. It's almost the play that's twenty meters off where you feel like, oh, you know, he could make an impact or he could provide a shepherd and I see him standing still, and they're they're the kind of things I think is uh, probably what they call the coach's killer. Yeah, they they see it as a bit of an attitude thing. And this is the thing that the the club at the moment is so manic in its defence. Yeah, people are running at people. There's there's people thinking where the ball might go and running to those guys so that they get tackled yeah. quickly. Essendon's kind of tackling pressure at the moment, and it's manic defence around the ball is better than I've seen for many years. And you just wonder whether or not Aaron's got that kind yeah. of manic, defensive, go-to-multiple-contest. Yeah. It was interesting to hear that uh, Wush is saying that he'll be a great Essendon player for many years to come. I and mean, that's a big statement. Oh. Because, I mean, what's the number one fear of, exactly right. of every the, fan right now? That, that he's playing at Port Adelaide next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, look, I know, personally, I know he's he's quite happy with things that Essendon at the moment. Yep. And it can go either way, isn't it? He, he, people either say Wusher's not playing him because he feels he's going to leave at the end of the year or Wusher is not playing him because he does feel like he'll be at Essendon next year and then it's just a growth thing where... He's you're, just learning. You know, you're not coming in to your... We really think you yeah. you would attack a game at 100% and show all your skills. And, and again, on top of what Wusher just said is that who do you drop for the band? Like yeah. if you if you're winning games of football like Essendon are at the moment, seven out of the last nine, who do you drop? Like it sends a bad message to someone like Matty D. Now again, Matty, love you to death, mate. I swear you've you've been brilliant for this club. <laughs> but if they put you, if you're in a if you're in a, a school a high school um, uh, on a high school footy oval and you're playing captain's picks and you were standing next to Aaron Francis and I had the last pick. I might, I might pick Aaron, but uh, don't don't tell Maddie that. But my point is, is that I think Washer was trying to say is, 
Who do you drop? Yeah. Because he's he's made it very clear that he plays Michael Hurley, Brendan Goddard's kind of position. And neither of them get dropped. I'm sorry, but neither of those blokes goes down and plays in the two because it sets a bad example for the rest of the club that it doesn't matter how hard you play and if you contribute to winning games of football, you still yeah. could get dropped. I don't like that argument. I mm. like Wusher saying that we stick with the players that are working for us. We're, we're winning games of football. Yeah, it, that's the next debate, isn't it? Is And this is my only confusion on the Aaron Francis part. is It's not so much Aaron missing. I, I find the confusion on that the club is telling me that you know, when Aaron's ready to go and right to play and do the things we want to do, you know, we're, we're making him want to earn the game. And there's a whole message of, like, players need to earn games. Yep. That's, then we go that's back key. To, then that's we, key, though, Then we it? go back to the Trav Collier argument, which I said I'd bring up later, yep. where, I'm sorry, he wasn't starring in the VFL. Uh, he had a long-term injury, and his first three weeks have been really poor. So, where is the where is the argument? Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like you can say that as a club, but let's be honest. There's sometimes coaches' favourites. Like don't doubt because it. There, there, there's some players. You could argue sometimes that Myers has had a stretch of three or four games where he was down on form, and you could say, you know what, a Dylan Clark may have earned it. And and his mm-hmm. spot over him because they play a similar position. He's got more hardball contested. Now Mice improved since then, but I'm more just saying I don't know if the argument is always consistent. At, at sometimes at Essendon, that's my personal view uh, because I sometimes see guys getting games that I don't think or have played three or four poor games or have come in from the VFL and I didn't think they were really playing that overly well in the VFL. Um, so it's an interesting argument. Uh, I, I'm kind of more settled now with Francis uh, for the club to make that call because obviously I I kind of have to think the view is that they really want to develop him as much as possible um, to get everything right and then really show him off when he when he gets elevated. And I, I agree. I think like when Wusha says something like that, he's going to be a very good player for the Essendon yeah. Football Club forever. I, I, I assume Wusha and, and Aaron have had several chats over a coffee, right? And that Aaron wants to be there next year and he wants to play for the Essendon Football he, Club. And he's contracted for next year. So it's, and a trade's not as easy as people think, like, oh, he'll play for Adelaide next year. Well, it's not that easy, actually, because yeah. he's contracted at Essendon next and I year. And I think Essendon... And Essendon were very stubborn at the end of last year. Absolutely. You're, you're not going anywhere. No, you're not going anywhere and mm-hmm. they've helped him... Um, when he's had the, the off-field issues and he's come back. Now, I'd be very surprised if Aaron is is that pissed off that he wants to go next that next. And he's next not year. at that place. I, no. I, I do know that fact. I know he's, he's happy at the club, so I don't think it's really an over thing discussed between the player and club, mm-hmm. to be honest. And it's discussed with the fan base a lot more, yeah. but I think in reality, internally, it's not actually something... Yeah. It's just more a development. And again... They, in a, they've just in, focused on, his, on him getting... A better footballer rather than yeah, wondering where he'll be next year. In a professional environment like the Essendon Football Club, where they they're footballers as a job, um, I think he will have clear goals that he needs to achieve. He'll have like a performance management and a clear goal, so yeah. he he's he's going to get there. People, yeah. I think the undoubtedly everybody sees the talent that the kid has. The club would see it even more than anybody yeah. sitting on this side of the microphone. I can assure you that. So I think patience. 
Yeah. Patience Danielson on um, yep. on Mr. Francis, but he he's going to be, like I said, I swear, the first time he plays a half-decent game, he's the kind of bloke that'll get the confidence where he'll play the next six in a row and yep. dominate. So we have an ace in the hole at the moment, uh, Bomber fans. Um, be patient yep. and trust Woosher. Um, in the words of the Philadelphia 76ers, trust the process. <laughs> yes. The and man look, has a process. I will say my experience uh, watching footy for a long, long time, if Francis is playing well in the VFL, then he's enjoying his footy. And that's the main thing. When you're not enjoying your footy, you don't play well at either level. Yeah, you don't. So yeah, the fact that he's playing really well consistently in the VFL, it means the information that I'm getting is very true, that he's really enjoying his football no matter where he's playing. Yep. So that's the key part. He's, he's beaten a big hurdle in life that a lot of people had to have beat. Uh, right. And he's happy boy. All good to him. All right, so we'll go for a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up um, this podcast um, and we'll uh, have a bit of a chat about who we're playing next week. Okay. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. All right, Scotty, who we got next week? I think it's Friday Night Football, Bombers v Swans. It's a huge game. I I hate playing Sydney. I always think, like I even said to you before this, I said, what's the chances we lose by a point? Oh, man. But, um, but there's just, Sydney's just one of those teams I can't stand playing. Cause... And Well, you know why, dude? Because you've mentioned to me a few times that they're, they're consistently good. Yeah, they are that kind of consistency that you. They breed the kind of footballers up there that we yep. kind of want to be. They're annoyingly, uh, they're annoyingly good. And and like as much as people might go, oh, you know, how they've lost to Gold Coast at home, and you go, that's the worst loss, yeah. probably of anyone for the last Big five time. years. Yeah. But the problem is, it doesn't make you at all comfortable because they've got so much pride. They're going to be hammered this week exactly by their coach. Johnny Longmire is going to tear him a new yeah. one, and yeah. it's going to all come out against us. So, look, I mean, but everyone knows. The players will know that. And that's the one thing, good thing. There's no secret. SM players will know you've got to turn up. Absolutely. And we haven't had a and great history on Friday Night Footy. No. We've got to turn up too. So, But the cool part is, is that we have been turning up. Yeah. We've We're been turning up as a club, man, which is which is what we want to see. Yeah, it's got to be. It's only a six-day break for both teams, so no excuses. Um, so it is pressure on. It's a final. Sydney really need to win themselves because they'll be nervous that they, that's a game they shouldn't have lost. Um, and they'll know. Hey, Essendon is only two wins behind us. We lose to the team behind us. Yep. Suddenly, they're only one get team one win behind us. And Melbourne and Giants and that could all start overtaking us. And suddenly we're playing, we're eighth and seventh. So they're going to come out very fierce. Yep. I don't know the, the injury status with, with some of their stars because a lot of their stars are out, the Hanabries and that. I'm just hoping it's another week because <laughs> their midfield does look a bit weaker at the moment. Yeah. And that's could, a big key to us. We could just get that one more tweak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Just, just for Hanabry, just, just a tweak. Nothing, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. I wish anything bad on him. Just another week. Just, yeah. just, just one more week, please. So... Yeah, so look, it's a huge game. Get out there Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. I'll Get be down there. there. You'll be there. Yep. Um, 
Let's pack out the joint. It's our home game. Look, there's a lot of Sydney people in Melbourne, so get your tickets early. Yep. This will be sold out. So get get in early. Let's have the most... I want an 80 to 90% Essendon crowd Absolutely. of us going nuts. We needed a real finals impact. It's a huge game because I generally think we can beat Hawthorne the following week, and then we play St Kilda after that. Yep. So uh, it's a huge game for the Essendon Football Club. <coughs> it kind of feels like this is the year. This is like your whole year depends on this. Man, we've been saying that for the last five I know. weeks. I know. It. And we've done pretty but it's well. It's so true. It's so true. No, no. It's it's the I guess the that's what happens when you start that bad. That but, bad, yeah. But all right, so we'll wrap it up. Have the podcast up. Where can they find us, Scotty? Uh, our Facebook group, Data Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast on our Facebook. Yep. Uh, really enjoying the uh, the f- interactions between. Uh, fans and and the podcast. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks for some, your advice and yeah, support and some help. cool questions. It's it's really great. There, you can find Scotty at True to the Red Sash, obviously, um, and his Twitter handle to Scooter. Um, but yeah, we we really like to get the feedback um, through the face, lunchtime catch up um, Facebook page. Um, we appreciate everybody uh, listening. Um, it's uh, going to be a long one uh, this episode. It's going to be an hour long. We've we've rambled on a fair bit, but. Um, yeah, so we, we really appreciate everybody listening and uh, we will be probably after, I don't know, probably on Saturday next week we'll do the yeah, um, we might we'll do, do a, podcast. We might do a Saturday podcast after yeah. the Friday night. Saturday podcast. So um, thanks everybody for listening and we're, we're going to head off. Thanks guys. Go Bombers. Bye-bye.